0: Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, hereditary baldness, obsolete technology, and we have part two of our interview with Kim Merry from Hope for Averyn. I will let you start, my friend, as you've got a really amazing intro you've just come up with.
1: Uh, Like I always do. Um welcome
0: to the kindness project guys. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> woo! <Whoa. Whoa. laughs> woo! No, right. no, before we start, give me your best woo. Now give me your best sarcastic woo and then your best enthusiastic woo. Woo.
1: Woo! Okay,
0: here's my two. I'm gonna do enthusiastic first. Woo! Yeah! I
1: was half expecting this to go,
0: get in there! Oh, yeah. Get in. And then there's my sarcastic one. Woo.
1: <laughs> no. No.
0: That's too fake. Oh, OK. Anyway, welcome oh, to I the Kindness... I to have a bit of re- Welcome to the Kindness Project, guys. Woo. And uh, I am joined by a girl who is amazing... In a lot of ways, and I'm not being sarcastic. Um, She is loving her mocks, and I'm loving her mocks results. She's loving her mocks, but I'm not sure what she thinks about her locks or chocks or frocks. It's Charlotte Dames,
1: And I'm joined by a man whose hair seems to grow more on his arms than it does
0: on his head nowadays. Oh, low blow. That was... No, it's
1: about
0: arm height, I think. That, that was a lot of The thing, the, the scary thing is you've inherited my astuteness, haven't you? So you're quite hairy. Eey. It's not good. It's Never not go good. It, <laughs> it is everywhere. Um, yeah, I am quite hairy apart from one expanding patch on my head. I think it
1: was my fault that it started in
0: the first place. Which, why, why do you think it's your fault? Oh, because you slapped my head a lot when you was a kid. I think you might be right actually. Are you to are you to blame for my baldness? So sorry. Well they well they say that actually it comes from your the mum side of your family. So it's not from your dad's side, my dad's bald, but a lot of my uncles were bald, apart from Robert, who had he was like did, sat- he a- did
1: he have an afro too he,
0: he didn't have an afro but he had like he had hair like yours he had hair down to his shoulders oh, um, and yeah it was quite a, quite a good um, good set of locks but yeah I'm I'm relaxed about my hair fading and I just need to get to a point now where I go right oh it's all coming off um, but I'm not there yet i'm not there yet The hole is not big enough it's big enough to swallow a car but it's not big enough for me to go full bald it's a low bar what do you mean it's a low bar huh. i'll dare you um so um your marks were good wouldn't they you think so yeah i think so good set of results yeah. apart from business studies we haven't learned half the I was then. I was gonna I was gonna let you inherit Savala, my business
1: and I turned that down several years ago. Uh, how can
0: you turn it down when you're eight <laughs> or ten? But now you've got rubbish marks. I don't think you you are not worthy of the crown anymore. Oh
1: yeah,
0: eight rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, but the the rest were amazing, wasn't they? Mm. So well done. Um, and. Uh, I want to have a little conversation about technology, but in fact, obsolete technology. iPods. Because. Piers is Piers I had a. I had a Piers Vita. This is. I had I two games for it. What?
1: Obsolete products.
0: Don't buy a PS Vita. Well, my, <laughs> you
1: can't buy PS Vitas anymore. Well, can,
0: I, can I first ask the question of the podcast? What's your favourite piece of technology you'd never dream of using now? Or what's your favourite piece of technology that is now obsolete? And by iPod. the sounds of it, it's iPods to you, because you've still got an iPod, haven't you? She's, she's a beaut. She's a beaut? She's a beauty. She's a beaut. You cannot download any new songs onto it. You cannot-
1: Beyonce in the script will forever
0: fulfill my life. That's the problem. I mean, like now with Spotify, you've got unlimited access to every single song. Um, But like, I mean, when I was a kid, no, when I was probably your age, I had a Walkman. And I had to just, if I wanted new music, I had to go out and buy a new tape. And we had a little shop called Mastertronic across the road from my house. Guess how much a new album was? 5p. 499. <laughs> 5p? Sorry, <laughs> do, you, do you think I was born in the 1700s or something? 5p? Oh, you'd be lucky if something, were, if something
1: was as cheap as 1p back then.
0: Well, you could buy a penny sweet. And in actual fact, half pennies existed, so I could buy a half penny sweet. How about that?
1: Now it's all 10p and 20p and, oh, look, 50p.
0: That's inflation for you. I mean, inflation is an amazing thing. Did you ever? Did I ever tell you about what happened in Zimbabwe a few years ago? No. Inflation ran rampant because they um, changed the government. So a loaf of bread costs, like, 10 million of their currency.
1: Like Germany after World War I.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This is not the most entertaining podcast. Con- uh, no, no, I love, we've done. I
1: love the story but of Germany after World War I because there were people and they were like, they used to, um, they used to say that car- people would carry their money in baskets and put the baskets down because they were heavy and people would steal the baskets and leave the money behind because that's how little the money was worth.
0: Really? I didn't know that. And they
1: used to burn it for fire
0: because it was so much cheaper than buying wood. Yeah, yeah. So so that's what happens in economies that are failing because the, the currency gets devalued. Anyway, welcome to the ed- economics uh, podcast 101. <laughs> um, uh, this lesson, this lesson, lesson brought to you by mass inflation. Mass inflation, burn your cash.
1: <laughs> Actually,
0: it's called hyperinflation. Oh, oh all right. This this lesson's brought to you by hyperinflation. Where's my petrol? I want to burn some money. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to use but that. I'm not going to use that as a tagline for my financial pa- planning business, though. That'd be good. Well, welcome to welcome welcome to Cervelo Financial Planning. We look after your wealth. Now, where's my petrol? I'm burning money.
1: I do want it on a shirt now,
0: though. What, where's my petrol I'm burning <laughs> money? <Mally? laughs> <laughs>
1: like, or a cheesy rap line. The
0: problem is, right, you want everything on a shirt. You wanted a mug that at the end, at the bottom of the mug said, Tis the end. I mean, you've gone a bit merch mental, to be honest. I
1: thought
0: that was a good idea. It is a good idea. <laughs> it's a, good idea. a T-shirt that says, where's my petrol I'm to burn my money <laughs> is probably less of a good idea.
1: Leave out your basket to cash, oh. we'll take the
0: basket. <laughs> 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 oh, welcome to Hyperinflation 101. Um, anyway, so Dude, I We are
1: talking about how to build with bricks <laughs> I, of cash. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't realise I didn't realize we were going to go on such a weird economically related like, tangent. I
1: loathed about the hyperinflation in Germany because it was like, yeah, this might come up and it never came up and I was like...
0: Tell us a little bit more about the hyperinflation in Germany then.
1: Like I said, they used to give their children blocks of money instead of buying them toys because it was just cheaper th- for them to build mm. uh, stacks of money than to actually get them, like, building blocks... Well, they used to use it for fire and, like, a loaf of bread was so many marks, Yeah. it wasn't worth it. But it, the only people it was really good for was the people in debt. Like, I feel bad for the old pensioners, whose money was just gone. Yeah. They just re- completely replaced the currency Yeah. and got all the money was obsolete. Infl- there we go. German money, marks. That's the Deutschmark. I don't know if it's still the Deutschmark. <laughs> Am I saying it wrong?
0: No. So You're not saying it very Germanically, if that's a word. Deutschmark! No, it's not the Deutschmark anymore, Charlotte. Is it clearly? Because what is it now? The euro. Yeah, they're part of the. Welcome to. Welcome back to the economics uh, project. The
1: European economics.
0: We're on the, on lesson. Welcome to the Open University. In lesson two, we're going <laughs> on to what currencies. Um, other countries use and in Germany you know, it's the Euro so well done yeah but it used to be the
1: Deutschmark it did used to I be the, do- the, do- the Deutschmark
0: alright let me let me give you another test right what before the Euro what did the Italians use pasta no <laughs> that is that is vaguely racist Fake. Vaguely offensive. Of course, they didn't use pasta. <laughs> it was pizza. <laughs> um, no, it was the lira. They used lira. I thought
1: that was like.
0: <laughs> what did the What did the French use? And don't say snails. <laughs> that'd be offensive.
1: <laughs> Can you don't say snails.
0: <laughs> One snail, two snail. Don't say baguettes. All right. Do not say... But get, but I can't. I'm thinking back to a time when
1: people just used to use stones as currency. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what, right? It's funny, because um, the French used to use a currency called the franc, right? <laughs>
1: I'm not surprised. They had a king called Francis.
0: Yeah, they like the word, fr- they like the stuff with fro in, don't they? Mm-hmm. But it, it did remind me, I had a conversation, I had a call, really lovely lady, right, um, who called me today to say, I'd like to interview you for a project that I'm doing about business leaders in our particular part of East London slash Essex. And I went, amazing, yeah, happy to happy to get involved in that. Send me an email with all the details. And the lady's name is Olive, right? So she sent me an email with all the details. Guess what her surname is? Oliver. I knew that because I heard you talking earlier. Her name is Olive Oliver, which I think is an amazing name. <laughs> I might call you Bames, Dames. No. And then I realised... My dad's name is James Dames, which is quite on the isn't it? You're
1: just Christopher.
0: No, I'm Chris. I never use Christopher. Nobody calls me Christopher, apart, Christopher? Christopher? Um, apart from my mum, who's now left us, and my dad. Apart from that, nobody else does. I do, in my head. <laughs> you, yeah, but it doesn't count if it's in your head. Anyway, on that particular note... Welcome to the, the Kindness project, project, the Economics Project, <laughs> and the Obscure Currencies Project. Um, shall Rocks. we? Shall we? <laughs> shall we get on with the show?
1: No.
0: Oh. Why? Because <laughs> we. <laughs> oh yeah. Where can people get in touch with us? Where can people get in touch with us? We
1: get on with the show. No, we're, very, <laughs> no um,
0: we're, we're gonna carry on wittering. on. We're
1: very tired. And there's coffee. I like coffee. Coffee's good. Anywho, um, Twitter. Yeah. At Kindness. Boom. Facebook, The Kindness Project, is a magical search bar. And there's also one of those
0: in Google, and it's the same thing. So, uh, on at thekindnessproject.co.uk is the email, and you will find us on Google, so there's no need to give you the URL for the website. Yeah, just Google The Kindness Project. We, we we pop Bob up. We're, we're now up Very to... We're infamous on Google. Apparently, we're, we're now up to about 19,000 subscribers. So, Ooh. there's now more people listening to The Kindness Project than ever before. I was going to say,
1: there's more people listening to the Kindness Project than more p- people who work on it, and I realise that's been what,
0: the way for a long time. Well, it's been a long time since we've had th- three listeners, so, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shall we crack on with the show? Yeah. This week, we have got an interview with... Someone brilliant? I don't know. No. We've got... No, sorry. <laughs> Not, no, clearly somebody Clearly, somebody brilliant. Um, I was just trying to work out who it was. We've got an interview with a lady called Kim Mary. Mm. She runs a charity called Hope for Havering that does amazing work in Havering with the homeless. Uh, in this part of the interview, we talk more about the charity and uh, I ask her some of our... Legendary
1: questions of the podcast.
0: Shall we have a listen? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and as part of the service, is that is that what you focus on? You focus on getting them to a point where they effectively don't need you anymore. And they yeah. live independent lives.
2: Yeah, and uh, now what's been difficult over the years is that many of the people go out of the borough because of the lack of affordable rent. in in our own borough and and the need for a guarantor um, or a rent deposit. Um, And so we have landlords that have properties in other areas um, that enable that to be possible. Um, We were really fortunate um, in last year to receive a grant from the council and we were able to take on 20 studio flats in our local area. And we already had three lease properties um, that we've been running for um, at least seven years in the area, Um, but not enough for the numbers that we were seeing. Um, And so now we can accommodate, within Havering, 27 people. The shelter, we take 20 people at a time, so, you know, three or four of them are ready to be housed, finding the place to be housed you'll get the new arrivals tonight and yeah. then the rest are on the journey yeah. of getting everything together um, to be housed. Um, and we're working very effectively with the council. Um, if they're in the shelter, they're not usually eligible for council housing. So they are totally reliant on our support yeah. to link them um, with landlords who are suitable Hi. for them. Yeah.
0: So, um, Havering's not particularly if, you, if you've considered it just in isolation, he's not known for having a big homelessness issue. Um, and when we met, I was actually quite surprised that the charity existed in Havering. Yeah. If you don't perceive that Havering has Challenge with homelessness. Home now that's my, that's completely on my ignorance, right? Okay. Um, help me understand what the challenge we face. it sounds like there's demand, certainly demand big, for the service, big and it's increasing.
2: Well, if I give you a general stat for UK, there's, yeah. um, in two thousand and eighteen, it was recorded that there were three hundred and twenty thousand homeless people, um, and that was a forty percent rise right. um, on the previous year stats. So, when we started in two thousand and eleven, basically, we opened our doors on the first of November, and one person came, and uh, and in fact, the guy who came offered to help us, and it was really really lovely. Um, But I said to him, just bring your mates, tell them that we're okay. And, uh, and at the time it was a pack-and-go shelter which meant that every night we turned up at a new church took things out of our minibus um, obviously bedding and, and mattresses and set up a shelter every night the same and, uh, and basically the people I knew who were homeless were too either embarrassed or had certain perceptions of what a shelter would be like So he went and spread the message by, I don't know, middle of December we had 15 people in the shelter um, who were in need of help and who'd been either referred by the Salvation Army, by word of mouth, by uh, the YMCA as people presented themselves because it's a very obvious building, um, by libraries even. So we were getting the word out and there were 15 people from Havering in the shelter. Now, when I spoke to the council a little bit, a little, few months down the line, um, we put in a planning application and uh, for... 15 beds in the shelter, and then 15 kind of like hostel
0: style yeah. units.
2: Yeah. Um, so it would have housed 30 in all. And by the time um, I was discussing it with the council, which was the following year, um, we'd already had 115 referrals. Wow. Um, so they said to me, their stats showed there are only six street homeless people. Now, yeah,
1: that's really not
2: true, <laughs> is I'm yeah. looking around me in a shelter where there's 15 people who are testifying that they've slept in parks, in cemeteries, yeah. um, in the hospital, behind the bins, in stairwells, on trains, on buses, yeah. huts, you name it, park benches. I
0: suppose part of the challenge is if, if you're not prepared to face the issue, yeah. Right? If you if you if you're massaging the stats, <laughs> I going to say feeling, but it's not. If you're massaging the stats, you're not facing the challenge you've got, and therefore you can't really do anything about it, right? You know, you've got to be, yeah. you've got to be honest about what the challenge might be. Um, I think
2: at the time it was a very political issue, okay. and uh, and so the mantra was this: these are our figures, and it didn't matter what I said who I presented, there was a reason why they weren't homeless. Right. And uh, however, over the past two or three years, um, the council has changed its attitude. Interesting. Really, really strongly. And, uh, and I would say, well, for a start, our numbers increased to 20, then to 25, and then... Up to December 2019, we could take 30 in our shelter. We were having to take 30 um, because of the numbers of referrals.
0: Is the ambition to increase capacity? Um,
2: not really to increase the capacity. Okay. It would be to increase the move on accommodation. And okay. uh, we've now got a permanent night shelter, and that happened in January 2019. Wait, where's the shelter? It's at Atlanta Boulevard in Romford, uh-huh. opposite Lidl. So it's above some offices. And uh, and we got the planning because the council was in support of us. Good. And uh, so we had 30 in our shelter. And it was recognised, um, because there's rough sleeping strategy meetings and things, that there were 30 other people sleeping outside. So... Last summer, it was recognised there were 60 people who were street homeless, so to speak, although 30 were being sheltered and 30 were in different accommodations, not accommodations, but different locations. Um, we were We're very proud to have worked in conjunction with the council because whilst they gave us a grant to increase our capacity to house people and support them, um, they also employed a worker who Strategically worked some of the most hard to reach people mm-hmm. um, and I think achieved her goal of accommodating every single person that she could. Okay. Um, unfortunately, people are constantly becoming homeless.
0: Yeah. What I'm really curious about is. The circumstances that bring somebody to their home business. Can we understand a bit more about that? Yeah,
2: well, we have... Obviously, we're looking at what are the drivers for that and 80% would say it's a relationship breakup. Okay. And uh, so people... People don't put in their diary, my relationship will break up on the 1st of September, I need to have savings for that. Yeah, it doesn't happen, does it? And uh, what can happen is, um, so many testimonies of people who've been working, having an ordinary life, their relationship break may have broken up a year before. They've gone into a deep, dark depression. Yeah, um, they've, of the emotions yeah. So they've yeah. exhausted all their friends, yeah. and particularly the older someone gets, the less your mates want you to stay on their sofa. Yeah. So this might be a thing if you're single and your friends are single, but once people are in established, married, you know, age groups, it's more um, difficult, isn't it? yeah, they yeah. don't want. Someone of forty sleeping on their sofa, Mm, and uh, and basically, some of them lose their jobs, lose their businesses, um, their behaviour becomes more erratic, and uh, and this is a really strong story that comes through. So eighty percent relationship breakup. Now, for me, that's where we need to start, and uh, one of the things that we um, have developed uh, in the charity is is a, is a code of how to communicate. I'm a communication therapist by trade or by profession. For, you know, all my life I've been working um, helping children communicate, helping young adults, um, people with learning difficulties or autism, and uh, and because it's a communication breakdown, it's. If we can help people communicate well with each other, then the relationships won't break down in the same way.
0: So what skills do you is, the what is the
2: Well, one of the things... Um, I didn't write the code, it was Luke Spicer, who was the first night shelter coordinator. And uh, he wrote 12 sort of, not lessons, but like phrases. And one of them is, we speak with bricks, not stones. And uh, so that's the most powerful one for me, in that the words we use are to encourage and to build up, not to knock down. And uh, another one is we are bridge builders, not bridge burners, and we seek to build relationships that last. And when people come into the shelter, they say, I'm not going to speak to anyone. I don't want to know anyone. Um, I've had enough. You know, and uh, that's the best way. I'm not going to get into trouble if I don't talk to anyone. Mm. And, uh, and you know, we say it's it's like a family. Yeah. And in the shelter, people come in not knowing anyone, feeling very ashamed. But Sometimes psychologically,
0: if you've gone through trauma where yeah. somebody's let you down, I'd imagine it's difficult to trust again, isn't
2: Yeah, it? And, uh, and they absolutely vow that they're not going to talk to anyone. It's really hard not to talk to anyone when there's really smiling volunteers, yeah, 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 yeah. when the other guests in the shelter are welcoming them, saying, do you want a game of pool? Yeah, yeah. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. Let's play some are social animals, right? Yeah, you can't resist yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and for the first time, they'll be with people who understand. So, not all the volunteers have been through homelessness, but they understand what life brings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not there to judge you. And uh, they're there to make you feel that you can rest and relax after a hard day of trying to sort out the frustrations of trying to sort out your situation. The other guests certainly can understand all the different things that might have happened. And the fear. Sometimes people are frightened of going moving on to the next stage they really really like the shelter
0: yeah
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, because there's no it's community, isn't it? it's community they've never felt so happy in that community and we encourage people to stay connected certainly the people in our thrive accommodation they come back and volunteer um, they're in clusters of houses um, and uh, so that they can communicate yeah. and they understand each other instead of putting six different people into an HMO who have no connection, they are part of the hope for havering family. Yeah. With yeah. the hope for havering ethos and uh values and, and, and yeah, everything yeah, gotcha. that, that we're about.
0: So um Kim I'm gonna give you a magic wand, all right? You've got this magic wand mm. and you can change one thing but just one about how homelessness is perceived or uh, the situation of homelessness in the UK, you can change anything but it's got to be really super specific. What would you choose?
2: Um, I would choose to educate children on the importance of relationship. Okay. And uh, because at the end of the day, Um, if they know how to communicate with each other and really understand what family is about and what friendship's about um, and that this is the ultimate goal um, that will bring satisfaction in their lives and that the educators understand this and the parents understand this then our society would be a lot different
0: okay it's interesting it wasn't what I was expecting no. actually but it was more of a sort of tackle the root cause and yeah. some of these challenges that have come up okay cool and tell me about what the future holds for
2: well we've been running for I've well for four or five years um, a transformation program okay. where people with addictions Um, We take six men at a time, and uh, we have a house in Upminster where we run a program for 18 months. And I'd really like to see that we are there um, for a long time, and that people know um, that if they've got partners or children um, who are struggling with addiction, um, that that there's help out there for them, and that it's going to be there for a long time. So our main goal is to buy that property
1: okay.
2: and, uh, and to be there for a long time so that people know where we are. Um, and it's heartbreaking when you speak to mothers or fathers who say they don't know what to do anymore. They don't want to make their son or daughter, well, in this case it will be a son, homeless, but they can't cope and, uh, because their life's gone out of control. There's a big, big problem with cocaine in Havering, ah. and uh, there's a lot of successful people, or apparently successful people. Um, a lot of the building trade. There's cocaine, ah. and, uh, and whereas in the past we would only get referrals with alcohol and heroin, um, cocaine is the biggest problem. And the
0: addiction core. Yeah, it's, uh,
2: it's yeah, and I really want it to be known that there's help there, that mothers can have their sons back children can have their fathers back that there really is hope
0: yeah. um, and do you think it's an interesting one <laughs> because a lot of, a lot of the a lot of the interviews I've got coming up out uh, about mental health yeah. and particularly men's mental health funny enough i um, got like a guy coming along uh, called Nick Elston who was a Super successful guy, really good, and then um, s- suffered from a really bad anxiety mm. attack, and then just couldn't, couldn't sort of, sort of impacted his life in a huge way. And part of his story is he just needs us to admit that he's got a problem mm. for years that he didn't. Mm. I think we need to change our perception as well, right? And mental health is a taboo subject, because it should be spoken yeah. about. It's the only way you're going to sort of cope with that issue. It's, uh, it's an interesting
2: It's that communication thing again. It adds back to it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Think, I think, I
0: think <laughs> when, you, when you speak about anything, the perception sometimes in, in your own head is that people won't understand. But nine times out of ten, and maybe this is me wearing... Again, I've got a tendency of wearing most tinted glasses mm. throughout my life. I think most people are generally amazing, so so um, even with all the challenges, I think people are generous and understand, but uh, yeah, that might just be me.
2: <laughs> well, I'm similar in that, because yeah. every person who presents to us um, who's homeless I see them as a future volunteer, someone who can contribute, someone with value and talents and treasure in their heart. (laughs)
0: basically, we all want to be valued, don't we? We all want to be loved. We all want to be valued and we all want to contribute and give something back. And that's not only, that's not about money, that's about just self-worth and having that having a drive to do it but yeah Mm. amazing thank you for that tell me one story um, that encapsulates the work you you do best
2: okay i'll tell the story of dave and uh and he won't mind telling me telling his story because he often comes with me to tell his own story Um, but he had a marriage breakup okay and uh, was sleeping in Romford under the underpass and had lived an ordinary life. And uh, I think the breakup made him a little unwell, mentally unwell, and, uh, and wasn't, certainly at that point, wasn't able to access the help or what help he tried to access, um, he'd been refused. And he didn't know what to do and being outside was was kind of difficult and so he'd been there for months upon months and i went with the local council to do a street count one very cold november night and uh, met him at two in the morning in his sleeping bag and it was that kind of golden night where if he had agreed to come with them um, he probably would have been housed and he worked because it was the night where, y- if you were found, you would be chosen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And and uh, and he said he didn't want to move; that he was quite happy in his sleeping bag. And it's like everything in you wanted to say, "This is your night."
0: Yeah.
2: That that Bling. everyone. <laughs>
0: that should be a challenge, because you can't know what's going on in his head at that.
2: Well, he thinks, you're
0: thinking, well, I want to help you. Um, he's thinking, I've had, I've, you know, every, every experience I've had in the past might have yeah. been a negative one. Yeah.
2: He didn't want to get up in the middle of the night to find that he didn't believe the system anymore. Yeah, go to church, yeah. And, uh, and... Anyway, the the police were part of this um, night as well, and I think the next day they said to him, you really do have to go to the council and sort this out. And he went to the council, and although he wasn't eligible for housing, they referred him to Hope for Havering. And, uh, and he came and uh, basically he didn't know that our service existed, that he could have been tucked up in a warm bed yeah. for months and months. And
0: had he uh, been in At
2: least four months. Okay. And, uh, and just, yeah, just feeling more and more hopeless. Um, it didn't take long for us to offer him our own accommodation in one of our Thrive community houses. Um, And he grasped it with open hands and uh, lived in one of those properties, shared houses. And as time went on, became kind of like the father to a number of people, um, because we're quite keen to mix the age groups so that it doesn't become all older people or all young people. And, uh, Does that go back
0: to that family dynamic?
2: Yeah, and also because the younger people keep the older people alive. Yeah. And the older people steady the younger people. You know what? It's
0: gorgeous. <laughs> I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent. Charlotte <laughs> and uh, I sure have spoken about the podcast a couple of times. There was an amazing show um, on last year, and I'm not a big TV watcher, but it shows that I really, really enjoy it. And it was called Old People's Home for four year olds. Did, did you watch it? And it was about um, effectively having a nursery in an old people's home in the same place. Oh wow. And it was amazing because the the four year olds learn loans from the older people but these these older people um, really benefited from um, from from being surrounded by kids with like, all their excitement and yeah. inspiration and love of life and and it was weird because there were some really great friendships that developed between between the kids and the and the older people. The most interesting thing was they did some health checks at the start of the show, and then after the eight weeks, and um, did some health checks after. And the um, the older people were actually fitter and healthier after this experience. Not even mentally, but physically, amazing, absolutely loved it. So that dynamic is an interesting one. Yeah, very, yeah. very much
2: so. Um, he's gone on to live in his own studio flat, and uh, and he's been our driver for years, um, and just yeah, well, and uh, yeah, he's driven and had the other younger guys as his workmates, Amazing. Um, and everyone knows Dave.
0: Yeah, goes. Uh, sure. Such
2: a good representative of our charity.
0: Amazing, love it. So, um, thank you for that. That's, I, 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 I always say this to our guests, but um, part of the reason I love doing these interviews is because I always come out of them smiling a bit more. <laughs> you've made me happy to like him, but just by sharing some stories of hope. So, I really appreciate that. However, um, one thing we do like to do on the podcast, and you've, um, you've heard the nonsensical ramblings of Charlotte and I. Mm-hmm. You know that every week we ask a random question of our audience. Okay. So I've got a few of our previous ones and I'm just curious about what your answers would be. So if you could be any character from one of your favourite favourite books, who would you choose?
2: Oh well uh oh, I really don't know. I uh, Miss Fathersham keeps coming into okay. my mind
0: because okay.
2: that she was so mean <laughs> <laughs> so okay. maybe that's an alter ego well,
0: maybe, maybe it's like just to experience that mindset maybe that's
2: the case yeah that was coming or um, yeah, the, these very extreme women, you know, or Scarlett O'Hara okay. or something. You just make
0: them a <laughs> vicariously. <laughs> well the What's the most inspiring movie that's...
2: Uh, um... Hmm. Oh, Pay it forward. I do, you Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry, I cried um, so much at that film. And,
0: th- and that, that is a genuinely favourite of our po- uh, podcast, yeah. there, so you're not alone Yeah. That. Uh, what's the world's best biscuit?
2: It has to be Garibaldi. Oh, see, I'm not a Garibaldi fan. Yeah, give, yeah.
0: give me a shortbread any day yeah. of the week. I'll yeah, oh, no well,
2: definitely eat shortbread as well.
0: Um, and what's your favourite Muppet?
2: Um, I wasn't a fan of the Muppets oh, okay. so I'm sorry I can't answer okay, that fair enough
0: um, let me give you a few more um, uh, ah, this is an interesting one for you if you could borrow one skill from one of your parents what would you choose
1: um,
2: my mum was a great poet Okay. Poem writer. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the ability to write poetry. poetry yeah. And another family-related one. What's your favourite childhood memory? Uh,
2: going to the flower market, um, or the the market in London. I can't remember what it's called. Um, with my dad. Okay.
0: Um, let me think. What's been your favourite ever Christmas present?
2: It would be something that the children have made. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I can't think specifically what okay. it would be no because they've given me so many.
0: Best double act ever.
2: The word more common Wise come to mind. Okay. <laughs> nice. That's
0: a really good choice. <laughs> um, and uh, this is the last one, I promise. Okay. But this okay. was last week's one. Uh, what do you get nostalgic about?
2: the smell of flowers
0: any flower in particular roses okay and uh, my last question your question we ask every podcast guest um, where can people to find out a little bit more about Hope for Havering okay. don't ask that about every podcast yeah. guest we ask it about
2: okay. hopeforhavering.org is amazing. our website and we're on Facebook and Instagram
0: amazing thank you Kim we really enjoyed it
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: No worries. So that's Kim. What did you think, Kim?
2: She was
1: nice.
0: She is a bit brilliant and uh, does amazing work in our local community. Thanks, Kim.
1: Thanks, Kim.
0: Shall we get on with the show? Let's go. Tuesday. How was that finish? (laughs) Just a gentle sob at the end. And the last
1: vowel,
0: syllable
1: thing,
0: he got caught in my throat. And we on last week's uh, podcast because it was Halloween. We we did a Halloween-related question. creepy, Um, (laughs) we did a Halloween-related question of the podcast. And that was, what's your favourite scary movie? Now, I thought this was going to be more popular than it was, to be honest, because we only had a handful of results. Um, And typically, we get a... Depends on how big your hand is. Um, Typically,
1: whenever I think of handful, I just count my fingers. Yeah.
0: So we only we only effectively got um, uh, a few um, uh, results. Now I can't find now the results. But what's your remind me? What's your favorite scary movie?
1: The hole.
0: The hole. And that's a kid's scary movie, isn't it? I
1: don't mean it's any less scary. God.
0: What's so scary about it?
1: Um it's just it's less oh my god it's just terrifying. It just terrifies me that this little little boy is being followed around by this tiny doll. And then it drags him underwater like he's gonna drown. And then this girl was being chased by some friend of hers she let like die on a roller coaster. Nice. And then it turns out that the oldest boy's fear, the only fear, is his dad's. Yeah. And it
0: was like... So, these are the answers, right? Uh, John Cook, friend of the show, Mm. said it's joint between either the Witchfinder General or the original Halloween. Tamsin Kane said The Omen. Roberta White said Entity. Al McCann, who is now a friend of the show, because he's been like banging in so many answers, he said, "Right now, BBC Parliament scares the producers out of me." <laughs> good answer, <laughs> very good answer. We like that. Uh, Mandy Metlock, Medlock said, satire. Um, "The satire, satire." You know what I'm loving at the minute, Sophie. Uh, Sophie, uh, no, Sophie. Just every time somebody's sarcastic, she'll just stand there and go. Sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you yeah, haven't got to point it out the old idea of sarcasm is that it's implied, not explicit. But she's
1: learning. She's only seven. She's later. learning to pick out
0: sarcasm. Yeah. She's like a sarcasm machine. Sarcasm. Sarcasm alarm. Um, Mandy Medlock said the original Friday the Thirteenth, and Russell Dames, our esteemed editor, said hostile. And that, my friends, is the end of another podcast. Oh my